Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Eddie Tate. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. How many of you have already encountered the presence of God tonight? Most of us. And about six of us are excited about it. You know, during worship, there were several people that actually came up and just told us, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling there's something about the throne room tonight, that the throne room is available, the throne room is here. I even, I don't know how, I don't, Matt Gilbert's not here, our drummer texted me in the middle of drumming. <laughs> I still don't know how he did it, but there were so many, yeah, third arm or something, I text with his toes, I, Um, But there was actually something very significant about the fact that there is a tangible throne room experience available. And, you know, a lot of times we don't think it's available to us because we didn't see it. We can't feel it. We don't recognize it. We don't know about it. But that's not true. It's here and available regardless of how aware of it you are in the moment. I mean, gravity is real whether I believe it or not. If I decide to jump off a building, I'll learn about truth quickly. Some of you are catching that. So when it comes to the throne room being available, it's true whether you recognize it or not, but you jumping off into the ability to receive that truth will happen as long as you take risk. So I want to invite you right now. Let's let go of our normal senses and let's actually recognize and accept the truth that the throne room is available right now. The the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who sits upon the throne is here in our midst, and we have the capacity to sit with him. We actually are already there. It's our awareness of that place. So just close your eyes for a moment. Father, if this is all you do tonight, it's more than enough. Father, regardless of the direction we were headed, regardless of the plan that we made, we say yes to your presence. Father, make us aware of the tangible availability of the throne room right now. Hmm. God, let us encounter you tonight. Not only corporately, God, but let us have an individual experience with your presence. It's not just that we're doing it again. We're doing it fresh and new right now. So God, I just pray that your presence would permeate this place, not only as a building, but this place is in my heart that, God, you would permeate each one of our hearts tonight, that you would become the most real thing in our lives 
And we just give you the glory and the honor tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You can float to the ceiling. You can whatever, start walking on water, however you want to experience tonight. So, tonight may go a couple of different directions. That's not surprising to anybody that's been here when I speak. But I've, literally for this last week, I've had this, I've had the Father's heart resting on me in a way that is intentional. And you know, a father always calls his children to where they're supposed to be and where he sees them. And he calls them into their potential, into their greatness, into their destiny. At least that's what a father should do. A father should see who you are in a moment, but should also see who you are planned to be. And can I just, can I, can I be a father tonight in this place? For the last six weeks, I've been going through quite a process. About six and a half weeks ago, God opened, it, opened an area of my life that has been long-term prophetic promises and the area that I've never seen him show up. Does that make sense? How many of you have ever experienced that? You, there's, there's this word that's just this word that... It's almost like every person that can prophesy prophesies the same thing and you're like either everyone's missing it or something's out of place. You know, and sometimes we can blame ourselves, which could be true. A lot of times it could be timing. There are a lot of reasons why we may not be living out the prophetic promises and words that we've received. But something was identified a few weeks ago and then six weeks ago, I actually texted Joaquin and I said, I can't come to church tonight. Because God said, do you want to go wide or do you want to go deep? And he promised me that if I came here, I would experience his glory. I would see the width of his glory. That he would show up and be manifest and it would be good. But he said, do you want to go deep? How many of you have ever heard God ask you a question and you know what the right answer is and the other one you know is going to hurt? I knew deep wasn't just like I get to go deep with God. It was the there's hard ground and he's about to put the pickaxe and shovel in. I spent six hours crying. Five of it had tears. The last hour I had cried so much I physically didn't have tears left. It was one of the most horrific and amazing experiences I've ever had with God. 20 years of serving God, going after him with everything I know. And it was a life-changing moment. And for five hours, he actually opened up every aspect of my life and showed me the little slivers that he wasn't. And he actually confirmed and edified me through the process and said, you have not actually held any doors closed. You've not hidden any place from me, but there's just places in your life I haven't been. And it was like if you were in a bright room, but in the very corner there was a sliver or a shadow. All of his attention showed me that. And it wasn't to make me feel separated, but it was to show me what's possible. But it was five hours of seeing every place he wasn't in my life. 
I've never felt more separated from him and I've never felt more of an invitation to be close to him. It's funny what God is doing tonight. I actually told them I may not even preach my message because Renee and I have this odd thing where God will speak to one of us the day of the other person speaking and we usually share it from the stage on accident. My message is Isaiah 6, what she read at the end of worship. She almost preached my message. So we may have a fun night doing something else. I don't know what's going to happen. But I feel like there is something about the here I am God. That, that response in Isaiah where he says, here I am. You see, <laughs> the only thing that God has ever wanted from any of us is all of us. And I believe that most people in here have probably offered most of their lives to him. And I don't mean that as a convicting statement. It's just sometimes it's hard to actually offer him everything because as people, we protect and hide things from ourselves, not actually realizing he knows about it anyways. But most of us have probably given as much as we possibly could or thought we could to him. Some of us have given him everything. And in the midst of that, I still believe there's places that he's still not been in your life. And I believe that that's an offer tonight. You know, a question I had to ask myself is, and it was a really hard question because I thought I knew the answer before this encounter. And the question was, is my life reflecting what he died for? Does my life actually, am I living a life that reflects his life? Have I given him so much that when he died on the cross, it was worth it? Now, here's the fun part about that question. It can't be something out of performance. You can't do enough for him to have made it worth it. You can be enough, and you are, and that's why he did it. But I actually have a responsibility to live my life in a way that honors what he did. If we really believe in God, really, in everything about him, if we really believe the word, how many of you believe in the word of God? How many of you have brought it with you tonight? Phones count. It's okay. Even if you don't know where the app is, it's all right. You brought it. I spent a lot of my Christian life in the beginning learning this from the person up here with this. Some, somebody with one of these would say something really neat and I'd try to go find this to find where it was. But I wasn't getting revelation. I wasn't talking to the author. I was listening to somebody tell me about the author. If you're here at church, you should have this. When you're at home, you should have this. 
If it's not tangibly in your hand, it should be overflowing from your heart. You don't have to have the address. You don't have to have it memorized. I used to be convicted. I told my, my, one of the first pastors I ever had, I told him, I said, I, I just, I can never remember the word of God. He's like, you say the word of God all the time. You just don't reference the address. Because it was the overflow of my heart. I'm going out of order, but I'm going to say this now. If you're not sure what season you're in, if you're not sure what's going on in your life, if you don't know up from down, if you've just got questions, lean into the one that has the answers. Get in the word. Worship. Get in his anointing. You know, I had a good friend the other day. He just said, and I've actually heard a lot of people say this. They say, I just don't feel the presence of God. I... I Wow, somebody laughed. It's so sad. How many of you have ever had a, a time when you didn't feel the presence of God? I'd love to say I feel him all the time. He never is not available for my feelers. See, he'll never leave you nor forsake you, but how aware are you of him and how much are you feeling him? And does he get dictated by my feelings? Is the measure of God my feelings? And they said, you know, I've just, it's, it's been, there's been this season of just, I don't feel God's presence. What do I do? Get in the word. Get in the word until you feel his presence again. Worst case, you never feel it again and you overflow your life with truth. I can think of worse things to do. We doing okay? Mm. How many here have ever received a prophetic word in your life? If you've been around this culture much, you can't actually get from inside to outside without probably getting one. And I don't, I'm not saying this in a disrespectful manner. How many of you believe that you've received a word that you knew without a shadow of doubt it was God and it was purposed for you? A lot of you. That's great. See, prophetic words are supposed to encourage us. They're supposed to give us just direction. They're supposed to give us guidance. They're supposed to give us a hope and a future. They're actually supposed to guide us. But you've got to make sure that your heart's in a place where you don't think that the word gets justified by your now understanding of where you are or your actual belief in what the word is. All words should be judged. The best place to judge, judge a prophetic word is the word of God. Funny thing is, is if you don't know if a word is true or not, you may not actually be in the word enough. When, I, when, when people tell me I have trouble understanding, is this God or is this the devil, then you're not, you don't recognize the voice of truth enough to sort that out on your own. Now, does that mean everybody? No, I've had times in my life where I'm like, I don't know if I'm listening to the right voice. It's, it, it happens. But generally, I can feel and know and understand when truth is spoken over me because I recognize his voice. 
And it's not that I recognize it from people or from the audible. I recognize it because I'm in the Word. And the Word is the truth. When you receive a prophetic word, it should be validated by the word of God. Now, does that mean if somebody talks about, you know, your shoelaces and something type of car and something and you can't find the shoelaces and car in the word, it's not true? No. Listen to the heart behind the message spoken. But sometimes we can actually allow the word of God to create this idea of this is the call of my life because the word of God told me what I'm called to do. How many of you know we are all called by God? Wow, about 30 of you. Okay. We are all called by God. Now, how many of you know that we are all called by God? Okay, I just told you, so you better know. And I've got the microphone, so everything I say has to be true, right? It's kind of like the internet. Just kidding. <laughs> but we have to be careful to not let the prophetic guidance and the prophetic hopes and dreams and the prophetic promises and the call of God on our life to disable us from being able to thrive in the season we're in. See, sometimes we get so stuck on what's coming, we forget about what's, what is. We can get lost in the idea that now is as important as what's promised. And the reality is if you look at seasons and the reference in regards to, let's say, farming, which a lot of the references about seasons are that, in your sowing season, if you're trying to harvest, is it fruitful? If you're not taking care of the season you're in, the following season will be out of place. And it'll be missing something. Now, should we have the full future season in mind? Yes. Otherwise, what would be the use of sowing? If we don't have the future in our mind, sowing has no benefit because all we're doing is burying. But if I don't have the now season in place and I'm thinking of a harvest and I don't sow anything, all I'm doing is being stupid. He wants us fully alive right now in the midst of the process. And our seasons can sometimes be confusing. And our seasons sometimes, we get them mixed up. See, seasons are not cyclical. They're progressive. You don't repeat a season. You go into a new season. That's just how it works. It wouldn't make sense to sow seed and to turn around a year later and sow the same seed. Because hopefully if that seed did what it was supposed to, it bore harvest. So are you going to bury your harvest? Or are you going to reap your harvest and sow new seed? So seasons are not things that we repeat. Seasons are things we progress through. You know, I love the idea that people are like, oh, I just hate starting over. You can't start from scratch. You start from experience. 
So when you enter a new season and it feels like, well, I feel like I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, but you have experience now that's actually propelling you farther than you were when you did it the first time. Allow what God is doing in your life right now be the breath of life and the blessing for what he's going to do. You know, God, a lot of times God is way more interested in doing something in us than he is through us. Some of us are so excited to step into the call of God on our lives and be used by God, and sometimes he's like, that's great. I have things I want to do in you. God, what can I do for you? You can shut up and be still. That's how he talks to me. I don't know. He may be nicer to you. He may tell you, be still and know I'm God. He tells me, shut up and listen. I, love, I don't remember who even said this statement, but I love, uh, there was a statement made like, don't make God a sandwich he didn't order. Don't do something for God that he didn't ask you to do. Quit running so far into the call of God on your life that you're missing out on what he's trying to do in your life. All you young adults and singles out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hit you right now. I love the prayers of, oh God, I just want you to send me the right spouse. God's like, how about you work on being the right spouse? Quit trying to ask for something when he's wanting to do it in you first. That one was for free. I'm going to go ahead and read the verse because I, I had it planned and Renee stole it, but it's still a good word. God wants all of you. He wants your full yes. He wants you to say, here I am. How many of you know the scariest thing you can tell God is, here I am? <laughs> See, a lot of us are like, that's right, I'm all in. I want you to do this. You want what? Get behind me, Satan. And God's like, nope, that was me. I'll tell you right now, if God's not making you uncomfortable, you've locked him in your box of comfort. Even the full yes, there's uncomfortable things. Because the bigger your yes, the bigger the risk, the bigger the call, the bigger the ask. Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Pause. <laughs> How many of you, be honest, get weirded out when you see someone manifest? Come on, be honest. I admit when the beginning, I'm like, that's not Jesus, couldn't be. 
I like this. This is a good group because only like six of you raised your hand. You're either mostly lying or only six people are uncomfortable. Yeah, it depends on the manifest. There it is, the qualifying statement. It's, it's, it's like, this is okay. The woo, woo, that's not. Dylan was like, let's fully open up. I'm like, I'm just going to take everything and run and be David. No, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't hear that. He said, thank you, Jesus. And that wasn't for God. That was for me staying dressed. <clears throat> hey, most of our, a lot of our teams are doing a fitness challenge over the next 12 weeks. Come on. Hey. Come on, church, give it up. Your teams are going after health. Now, in 12 weeks, I can't promise I won't run around in my underwear. Right now, it ain't happening. I'm kidding. People pulled out their calendar. 12 weeks, don't go to church. All right. When we look at the manifestations of God, when we talk about angels, we talk about the glory clouds, when we talk about the things of God that are weird, wonderful, scary, and a little bit out there, it's just a foresight of what heaven's like. The reality is if you're comfortable in a normal church that doesn't experience manifestation, you're going to be shocked when you get to heaven. <laughs> it's going to freak you out and you're going to say, I don't know if this is God. Have, they, have you guys read about heaven? Thunder and lightning from the throne. People falling down prostrate, casting, like we read it like, oh yeah, it's this nice synchronized swimming type of act. No, it is a response to the glory of the king and holy, holy, holy being spoken by the seraphim. Smoke fills the room, the doorposts are shaken. Come on, I want this room to fall apart because of the glorious nature of God. And our ushers will greet half of you on the way out because you're freaking out. And the rest of you are like, woohoo, I've arrived. I just wanted to hit that for a minute because I, I get irritated by that religious concept that manifestations, that angels, that signs and wonders and glorious things are not of God. You do not know the word of God if that's what you believe. Now, can people take things too far? Yes. People can take any good thing too far. In fact, it started in heaven. The original sin started in heaven. That's a, yeah, some of you are like, huh? The most glorious of all angels, created to lead worship of all heaven, decided that he could be equal or above God and convinced the third of heaven to leave with him. And you think the questions you're being asked in church are tough. That one was free too. Mm. The house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. 
God never wants you to feel dirty in his presence. He wants you to feel invited to be clean. That process of five hours showed me just how far away I was from him, but I knew through the whole process it was an invitation to be that much closer to him. See, God is never going to point out something in you that he's not in to condemn you. He's telling you, I want in. Because the only thing God's desire is to be close to us. He created us for relationship. He created us to commune with us. He created us to walk with us. We have a purpose, and it is to be with God. Our desire for right and wrong, for knowledge, has created a separation, or had created a separation. Jesus came and restored. The reality is, is that when you allow yourselves to dictate what's right or wrong with God, you've entered back into the garden. And you haven't actually received the truth of the, of the salvation that was provided by Jesus. Yeah, I'm going to hit it. Yep, I'm going to hit it. Okay. I believe that a lot of people have a false idea of what sin is. Some people think that sin and mistakes are the same thing. Sin is doing something when you know of truth, and it's going against that. You can make a mistake, and it could be a sinful thing. But as you gain knowledge of the truth, and then you continue to do those things, now you're sinning. Now, the reality is, is once you were saved, you are no longer a sinner. You can still act out sinful actions, sinful thoughts, but you are not a sinner. It is no longer your identity. It becomes an action that you may do every once in a while. And the more truth that you learn, the more truth that you're exposed to, the more of him that you are exposed to, the more that sin becomes apparent and you are, you are actually given the opportunity to walk outside of that sin. Now, if you believe that you can sin, you don't know the word. Romans 6 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. See, I, I, people will be like, I just can't break this sinful habit. You're wrong. You can. It may not be easy. I've dealt with things that just haven't been easy to break through. Anybody else or am I the only one? But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to. Because God is true to his word. He's a good God, and we win. I am not bound by sin. I will refuse to let my lips ever speak those words. I am not bound by sin. I just can't break this, this purity thing. Yes, you can. When you confess your sins to God... And ask for forgiveness. He doesn't just forget it. I mean, forgive it. He forgets it. It becomes as far as the east is from the west. So when the enemy comes and tries to remind you of your past and remind you of your sin, and you go, God, I'm doing it again. He's like, again? I, I don't know what you're talking about. That never existed. Because once you were forgiven, it was forgotten. God doesn't look that you've repeated something. God's like, no, 
you stepped forward into a mistake. And the enemy's like, oh, you've done this your whole life. And God's like, not by my account. Because I forgave you. And when I forgave you, I forgot about it. The enemy is always going to try to convince you that you are what you're not. And he's going to try to keep your eyes off of him that is and speaks truth over you. See, the enemy really can't do anything except distract us from the truth. It's smoke and mirrors with the enemy. He's the great magician. <laughs> and then the card trick happens over here. The reality is we're just supposed to look at Jesus. Do you know that the greatest mirror you can ever look in for truth is his eyes? Amen. The enemy wants you to look in a natural mirror to see exactly what he can show you. The perfect mirror to look in is the reflection of you in his eyes. Because he only sees you perfect and true. We have to start believing that we are sinless. Whatever you believe, you're going to empower. And if you actually empower something that Jesus died for, you're disempowering what he did. Jesus died to make us sinless. So you can never look at yourself as sinful. If we really believe God in all that he is and all that he says, something has to change. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a live coal, which had been taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, how many of you would be a little freaked out if a six-winged creature flew at you with a flaming coal and tongs? <laughs> like, I love, when I read this, I'm like, I think there's verses that they left out. And he's like, and I ran because it freaked me out, but he was faster and he caught me. I mean, I'm sorry. Six-winged creature coming at me with a hot coal towards my face. I'm like, oh, yes, God, no. No. I was still a little freaked out by the shaking and six-winged creature anyways. And that's just part of it. When we really look at heaven, there's also creatures with eyeballs on the inside and out. Still, I've always wanted to picture that. I can't. Like you could see what you're eating before and after you ate it. I mean, that's awesome. I'm just... Sorry, I, I digress. Um, and he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. What does the word purged mean? It means it was removed and cleaned. When God touches you, you are no longer sinful. I don't know why I feel like I'm supposed to stick on that for a moment. You have to break out of the idea that you are choosing and living a sinful life. Some of you make sinful choices. It's just a reality. Stop it. There we go. But it's hard. I'm being tempted. So? 
What is temptation? Temptation from the enemy is an offer to downgrade your life. You're saying, God, I want to accept the enemy's offer for me to be less than you've said I am. That's all the temptation is. It's an offer to accept a life less than who he's called you to be. See, the reality is that the Holy Spirit tempts us as well. But he tempts us to be closer. He tempts us to be cleaner. He tempts us to be right with God. I also heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Every one of us in here has been asked, Will you go? That doesn't mean missions. A lot of times, some verses can be used to direct you to go out and do. Sometimes your greatest mission field is your home. I'm not doing this because of the men in the room, but I am calling this area to represent what a true father looks like, like it never has before. In fact, men, whether you're a father or not, I want you to stand up right now. Just put your hands on your heart really quick. Father, right now, I just call the authority of heaven over each one of these men. God, I, I, I call these men to purity. I call these men to faithfulness. I call these men to surrender. We make a stand right now and say we will no longer accept anything less than the best of what God has planned for our families. This city will be changed, will be known across the globe as a place that fatherlessness is broken from this moment forward. And I commission every man in this building, whether you are a father now or you're called to be a father someday, I commission you to change the standard of what a father and a husband looks like. And I challenge you, to lean in to God like you've never leaned in before. Do not accept the best that you've ever known as enough. I challenge you to become more of a man than you've ever been. That you are stepping into the reality of God's call on your life, but a call for what a man should look like. And I bless you in this right now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. voice of the Lord says, who shall we send? And he says, here I am, send me. One of the scariest things you could ever say. Because I, I promise you, if you ask God to do something radical in your life, he will. If you ask God to send you, he will. And he's not going to send you to Disneyland. <laughs> Here I am, God, send me on vacation. 
He'll do that every once in a while because he loves his children. But he also sees more in you than you know. He sees more in you than you see in yourself. And he's calling us to actually live fully alive now with our eyes fully on what he's promised us. I'm going to make an invitation in a little bit, and I, I'm, I want to warn you about it now. Because the normal church response is that when something is challenged and there's a call, the response is to respond because it's right. And it's just true. We want, I think deep down we want to do what's right. So when there's a call and it's like, if you want this in your life, and it's like, I do. As long as it doesn't, you know, we sometimes put classifications around what we think that means. What I'm going to call for tonight is an unabandoned, fully surrendered yes. And it's one that I promise you he's going to respond to. Some of you are going to be asked to do things that you would never ever agree to do without knowing it's God. Some of you will change jobs. Some of you will change locations. Some of you will change your financial situation. Some of you will change most of the relationships in your life. Some of you are going to change the way you live. Some of you are going to change the way you think. But something's going to be required to change. Not because you're doing something wrong, because he wants you to do something more. See, we sometimes think that the challenges and the call of God for us to grow are because we're not. We always look at it as that we're deficient or lacking in something. And God's like, I'm not, I, I don't see that. I see where I want you. I see what you're called to. I see what I created. So he's calling you to something more. Is my yes worthy of his yes? When he said yes to the cross... Is my life saying, yes, that was worth it? If you want to know how hard it could be, Jesus cried out to the Father, take this cup from me. And then step fully into what he was called to. There are going to be moments where you're going to have that take this cup from me feelings. If you are giving your full yes to God, there are going to be moments in your life where you're like, I can't handle this, God. It's too much. And he says, I know. And that's why I'm here. Because you can't bear what he's calling you to. But he inside you can bear all things. And he will strengthen you to do everything he's called you to. He's never going to call you to something that you're not capable of doing but he's probably going to call you to do, is to do something that you're not capable of doing without him. When you're called and it's easy, I'd question if it was God or just a good idea. Is the life we are living worth Jesus dying? Hmm. The beautiful thing about this is the closer we get to him, the more we recognize him. The intimacy level goes up. The relational 
factor of our interactions with God goes up. It becomes a little bit more natural, a little bit more frequent, a little bit more normal. And it becomes way more intentional. See, God desires you way more than you've ever desired him. There are people in this room over the last several months that I, I, I'll watch you. I'm, I watch all the time. And I look and I'll be like, there's Jesus. Because I see him. Sometimes it's a flash. Sometimes it's pretty consistent. I want my life to be so surrendered that when people see me, they see Jesus. They see every attribute of his nature. You see, a lot of times we get confused and we think that we have to be like Jesus in a way that they see God. No, they have to see the natures of God because the natures of God are not recognized by the world. And when they see something unique and something different and something that's actually powerful and true, they want it. I want my life's evangelism to be based out of a response by people saying, what is it that you have? Because I want it. I want the authority of God in my life beyond the shadow healings, beyond raising people from the dead. Why? Because my Bible says we will do greater things. See, I desire those things. The Bible says to desire spiritual gifts. There's nothing wrong with having a desire to want more of what God's offering. In fact, if you're not hungering for more of God, you're broken. Something's wrong. Because when you hunger and then feast on the things of God, it creates more hunger. If you're satisfied with how much of God you have, you haven't eaten in a while because you're not hungry enough. God wants to launch us into a place where we walk in such love and power. This unique blend of having the fullness of his nature in love and the full authority of his power. And it's not something we do, it's something we are. See, the greatest miracles you should be walking in are those you, f you don't even realize are happening. I used to make a joke about Joaquin early on. I'd prayed for dozens of people to be healed early on. And I, I mean, I had an amazing, I mean, it was almost a perfect record. I saw almost no one healed. <laughs> and um, I remember... <laughs> I didn't think it was funny. That's sad. <laughs> the reality is that I kept praying. But Joaquin had actually entered into something. See, all of us are called to heal the sick, right? Fifteen of us. That's great. All of us are called to heal the sick. But there are people that are walking in a level of anointing and gifting and authority that actually manifest that nature of God above and beyond what the normal Christian is going to do. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? Joaquin moved in healing significantly different than anybody I knew at that time. And I used to make the joke, he sees more people healed on accident than I do on purpose. 
the first time I made that statement, I encountered God so deeply because I felt like what he was saying is, you got it. Like, yes, that's it. And it took me a long time to understand why he was so excited because I didn't get it. I was like, that's it. Be more like Joaquin? No. Try more? No. I, I was trying to figure out what God meant by that. And it was a few years later that I realized that God was saying, the idea that things could happen on accident because of who you are, rather than how much you're trying to make something happen for him, with him, that's it. He's looking for a people that are so surrendered and so open with their everything to him that they leak all of his attributes where they go. And then when they try, that's when it gets kind of crazy. How many of you want to live a life that honors God so much? Hold on. So most of you are smart. You're like, I like this guy's raising a hand. He doesn't care. He's like, whatever I say is about. How many of you want to live a life that has so much of God in it, that honors God so much that you're willing to let go of everything you have? I said that too a long time ago. I'll try to get through this. An encounter with God. I don't know how many years ago. God hit me, and me and a couple of people hit the ground. And the all-consuming fire of God hit my body in a way that I had never known before. And it was so real that I remember having the immediate panic that... God, I don't want to leave my wife and kids alone. Like, I knew I was about to physically die because of his glory. That, that, that messes with our theology sometimes. It's like, why would he do that? I don't know. He never told me. All I remember is in that moment, I actually cried out to God, stop. Because I wanted to be, I wanted my wife and my children in my life. And I knew in that moment that I didn't make the wrong choice. God wasn't like, you missed it. But in this process a few weeks ago, it's funny, my wife just shared that it scared her when I told her this, and I didn't know I scared her. But a few weeks ago, God took me back to that moment, and it was almost like he was asking, are you ready? Not that I'd made the wrong choice, but he was inviting me back to that choice. And I said yes. And then I told my wife, the place I'm in right now is that I'm willing to leave you, lose you, lose the kids, lose everything I have. I'm willing to lose everything for him. Now I'm not saying that's the question that's being given to you. We're all going to be asked something that is individually 
going to take us to where we're supposed to be. But in my process, a few weeks ago, I was asked if I was willing to let go of my wife and my kids. And it wasn't easy to say yes. But I said yes. It's been the most challenging six weeks of my life because I can honestly say I feel like I never knew God because of how much of him is available right now. It's not that I didn't know something. It's that I'm starting to see how much is possible that I'm like, I really don't think I ever knew him the way I could. And the beautiful promise that he gave me is that when I accomplish everything, when I encounter everything that I can see, I'm going to realize that there's so much that I have never seen before. I'm excited and terrified about the idea that my life is in a place where I feel like I'm always going to be challenged to give everything up because of the amount of him that's available. There have been aspects of my life that have been hidden that I didn't try to hide and I didn't know about. And he wants all of them. God spoke this word to me and I'm still trying to figure out what it means. He said, I needed you to know who you were in me. I needed to know my full identity in God so that he could destroy it. So that I could know who he is in me. That's the offer tonight. The offer is to say your yes to a place that you're willing to answer that question. Are you willing to give it all up? Now, that doesn't mean God's going to ask you to give up all of those things. But is your yes at that place? Is your yes at a place that you're willing to say there is nothing withheld and there's nothing I'm willing to hold on to if it's going to prevent me from having all of you? I want to make an opportunity for us to pray tonight. And it, after this first thing, we're going to have the prayer team come forward. But why doesn't everybody stand real quick? I will be very honest. If I have no one come forward, it's okay. Because this isn't about performance. It isn't about doing the right thing. It isn't about any of that. I don't have any investment onto who responds. But if, if something in you, here's the thing. Most of us probably had a yes jump up inside of us. And then when I started qualifying all of the things, you were like, it's a kind of, it's a maybe, it's a you're crazy. But if that yes got stirred up in you and, and you're actually ready to say, God, it really doesn't matter what it is. I'm willing to walk away from it. I'm willing to let it go and I'm willing to go into it that I'm giving my full yes. I'm giving everything I am and that I have 
to even get a glimpse more of what you are and what you want for me. If that's you, I just want you to come forward. And, and please, don't, don't be convicted by others' movements. This is just you and God right now. Now, I believe that what people were seeing in worship in the words of the throne room being tangible is, is very prevalent for what was supposed to be offered tonight. That we're going to be stepping into a place where we're not, we're not praying, we're not living, we're not approaching God from earth to heaven. We're going from heaven to earth. We're not going to the throne room, we're coming from the throne room. We're no longer working towards the cross. We're working from the cross. A lot of us need breakthrough. We're not, we're not going to be going towards breakthrough anymore. We're going to walk from breakthrough. If we truly sit in heavenly places and we're beside him while he's on his throne, then we have more access than we've become aware of. And I believe that some of you are going to gain access to that tonight. I believe there are going to be true throne room experiences tonight that some of you are going to have encounters that you've never had before. Some of you are going to be so shaken that it's going to change everything in your life starting now. You'll be faced with the choices to say yes to the things that have changed. To continue walking out the things that he's done. You have that option. But he's going to answer your request. He's going to come. Now, I'm a powerful man and I have powerful prayers, but these aren't my prayers to pray. These are yours. And it's not something to be thought. We're not praying in our inside voice. That's just thinking. You're releasing with your mouth. You're releasing with your words. You're surrendered to God. You're giving him your yes, but it has to come from your lips. So if you've responded to this, I just want you to begin to tell him, God, I give you everything. I want all of you, and I give you all of me. Your mouths have to be the one to release and invite the fullness of this call. Only you can actually open this door. You have the key in your hand. You're the only one that can open the door, and you're also the only one that can walk through it. And you don't have to be so serious about it. Serious is not a fruit of the Spirit. You can have fun with it. You can be broken by it. In fact, right now, I even see it in the spirit. There are people that are going to be broken by his goodness. You've known brokenness by the pressure of the enemy and by the world, but God is about to break you in his goodness. Some of you are going to step into a place that you've only thought possible, and it's going to become more real to you than it ever has before. Father, I just release right now over every person, every person in this room, God, 
whether they've responded or not. I just release a presence upgrade, a tangible infilling of all of you to all of us, God. That you would go deeper inside of us, God, than you ever have. That you would call out more of us than you ever have. That you begin to expose the areas of our lives that have been hidden and not touched by you. And God, you would give us the conviction to open closed doors, to unlock locked places, but you would also show us the places that we never knew that were there. The places that were hidden that we never intended, but God, reveal. There were so many words about light coming down in the room, cascading out of heaven, flashes of lightning. I believe that that was the aspect of God shining his glory on dark places in our lives. All of you are going to encounter something that, something in your life that did not have his fingerprints on it. And God wants to come and just smear himself all over your lives tonight. Father, we pray for that increase right now. God, I pray for your Holy Spirit to come, for your Holy Spirit to descend. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, the angelic is starting to show up. So I'm actually beginning to see several places in the room where the angels are actually starting to manifest and almost congregate. Wow. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your glory. God, we pray for the throne room encounters to come right now. God, I pray if people have been bound that they are set free right now. I pray for healing to be in this room because you're here and health is what's in the kingdom and our bodies step into a place of health. Freedom, because there is no bondage in heaven and we are now free because we step into the throne room. God, I pray for throne room encounters. I actually feel like the throne room is descending on us almost like a room coming on top of another room and it's coming through. Wow. Wow, I'm seeing the same, okay, whoo, come on, Jesus, ha. So there was an encounter in Germany that I saw when Joaquin was preaching. I am, I'm actually seeing the same five angels. There are five angels and they're holding in one hand a heart and in another hand they're holding a quill, almost like a pen. And there are contracts floating in front of them. And I'm seeing them walk around, and as they actually align their hand and the heart to a person that said yes, and the hearts align, they take the pen, they dip it in the heart, and they're signing a contract. Some of you are signing away your rights to make a choice away from God. Some of you are making a commitment, and it is a covenant in blood that can never be broken. Wow, come on, Jesus. Whoa. Shh. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.